As many of us are confined all around the world, we wanted to provide you with a daily podcast in partnership with Radio Halara, emitting from Palestine. Our ambition for it is not to add to the saturation of information about the pandemic we are currently experiencing, but rather to propose a 15-minute extension of our political imaginaries every day. The concept is very simple. Every day we ask one person the same question. What is for you a moment of true decolonization? The answer can be a historical moment or something they witnessed, something heroic and grandiose or rather discreet and mundane, a durable blow to the structures of colonialism or a short instant of liberation. While we are recording this podcast in privileged conditions of confinement, we keep in our thoughts the multitude of people around the world who do not share similar conditions or have no choice but to risk being affected by the pandemic because of criminal policies that have to do with neoliberalism, carceralism or colonialism. We thank you for listening and wish you and your loved ones the very best wherever you are. Hello everyone. Today is the 13th episode of uh, the Phenobalist Daily Podcast in Confinement, a moment of true decolonization. Uh, I'm very happy that uh, my guest is uh, Sonia Vajborges, uh, who is an inter- interdisciplinary militant historian and social political organizer. Uh, she's also the author of a relatively new book, Uh, called uh, Militant Education, Liberation Struggle, Consciousness, the PAIGC Education in Guinea-Bissau, uh, 1963-1978. And she was also the author of a wonderful text in, a, in an issue that I really love, which is our 21st issue called Space and Activism. And her text was called On the Space of Imagination and the Space of Memories, Remem- Remembering the Conakry PAIGC headquarters. Uh, hello, Sonia. Hello, Leopold. Thank you very much for taking the time today uh, to talk uh, with me and to be part of this series. I believe that uh, the moment of true decolonization you wanted to describe uh, comes from two pieces of writing by Amical Cabral. Is that right? Yes, that's correct. Can you tell us about it? Well, uh, I can tell how do I get in contact first with these writings. Uh, I was uh, at almost at the end of my university, uh, and a friend of mine introduced me to, told me where could I find the writings of Cabral in the in the library in the school library, uh, and I I I went to the library uh, because the books were not available. You you could not buy because they were produced in ninety. Uh, 1981, if I'm not wrong, and since then they were not not produced until 2003, and maybe till 2013, something like that. So I went to the library. I I copy all these two books, the Unity and Struggle, the volume one and the volume two, and I read them. Like uh, once I start to read, I could not stop because by reading Cabral, I start to understand uh, the Cape Verdean migration in Portugal and also to understand the culture, to understand the, the, the how you say, uh, the, under, understand the culture, understand the music, understand the food, understand my parents' background, history, some th- things that were till 
university were not present in any uh, school curriculum that I could understand. Um, in Portugal. I, in Portugal, yes. Uh, I, I could, under, I could uh, understand for my family history, but I could not complement it with other knowledge that school would provide me for that. So it was end of 2002, if I'm not wrong, uh, when a friend introduced me, or in, not introduced me, but told me where could I, could I find the writings of Cabral. And once I, t- I started to, to, to read Cabral, one of the, the, the speeches that really came to, that really uh, made me aware of the situation in Portugal was a conference that he gave in Cairo in 1961, where he talks about the idea of decolonization and the idea of the liberation struggle. And here I have a quote of this text where he says, uh, our people make a distinction between the fascist colonial government and the people of Portugal. They are not fighting against the Portuguese people. However, the objective situation of the large popular masses in Portugal oppressed and exploited by the ruling class in their countries should make them understand the great advantages for them which will flow from the victory of the African people over the Portuguese colonialism. And then he continues, we must uh, reaffirm that while being opposed to all fascism, our people are not fighting Portuguese fascism. We um, We are fighting Portuguese colonialism. The destruction of fascism must be the work of the Portuguese people themselves. The destruction of the Portuguese colonialism will not be the work of our peoples. While the fall of the fascism in Portugal might not lead to the end of the Portuguese colonialism, we are certain that the elimination of the Portuguese colonialism will bring the destruction of the Portuguese fascism. And why I think this uh, importance, the importance of this this passage, because it helped me to understand how come the April 25, the, uh, the revolution in Portugal that ended the fascism that happened uh, in 1974, comes from. So Cabral wrote this in 96, uh, 1961, and throughout the struggle, he wrote letters to uh, uh, Portuguese military, uh, to people who were working... Cape Verdeans and Guineans were, were, who were forced to be part of the Portuguese army. Uh, he wrote letters to students, and one of these letters uh, was directed to the to the Portuguese uh, military or the Portuguese soldiers. And this was written in 1963, and he he says that the the time uh, the time has arrived arrived that. Uh, people should understand the 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 benefits of of this struggle of uh, not just for the Cape Verdeans but also for the end of fascism in in in, in Portugal, and these ideas were being broadcasted uh, in Guinea-Bissau throughout the liberation struggle at the uh, PIGC uh, liberation radio. So and Portuguese uh, militaries military, they were very aware of these speeches. Uh, and the importance of it is like in 1974, finally, the Portuguese military took a decision to put an end of fascism in, 
in, in Portugal. So these pictures of Cabral show like the, the process of the colonization, not just from the liberation struggle, but also the process that took for the Portuguese military to understand the state of oppression that they were being victims inside their own countries. And so you, you started to mention it, but perhaps we can talk a little bit more as well about how, how much Cabral was incredibly clairvo clairvoyant in, in saying that the, the African revolutions will bring a revolution in, in, Europe, in Europe as well, I mean, in Portugal specifically. And, uh, and this is very much what happened, uh, isn't it? Yes, it is. Uh, one of the aspects, or, or uh, at least uh, one uh, Portuguese uh, writer wrote uh, that the, the April 25th happens, but it was an incomplete uh, happening because Cabral was missing. And he says that Cabral was missing because he actually uh, envisioned this struggle. He could not, he, he could understand the struggle that he was doing in Guinea-Bissau and Cape Verde and related with the state of oppression that Portuguese people were being victims of. So when the April 25th happens, uh, they say that the, the, this happening, this revolution was incomplete because Cabral was missing because he was killed in 1973. What I think is important to understand from this broader context of uh, Cabral and the PIGC and the, April 20, and the revolution of the April 25th is that these links are never shown in school, in school, in school manuals. And for me, being a Cape Verdean, born and raised in Portugal, and, has, and having to celebrate the April 25th as the end of the the fascism regime, fascist regime in Portugal, but not making the link with my own process or my own uh, or the history of my parents uh, from coming from Cape Verde, uh, living in Portugal, raising their kids in Portugal. This has still when my parents immigrate to 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 Portugal, it was still colonial times, and they lived the decolonization or the uh, the. Uh, independence of Cape Verde in Portugal and how these things are not explained in school manuals, I think it's, uh, it's it, from the side of Portugal or is is mind-blowing because you explore something so important from for a country uh, just from one perspective without giving the whole context of how this, how this uh, revolution came about. And we exclude the decolonization and the liberation struggle from all this process. Yeah, because uh, the decolonization that uh, Cabral is describing is 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 of course a decolonization of the African continent and uh, and Guinea-Bissau and and Cap Verde. Uh, I mean, in a very obvious way, but it's also the decolonization of the colonizers themselves, which to a certain degree, uh, this the Portuguese revolution sort of like. Initiated, perhaps, but uh, looking at looking at Portugal today, I think the last thing we can say is that uh, Portugal is has decolonized itself, right? It's still like a whole imaginary of the of the great discoveries and uh, and and uh, and still uh, uh, on a on a less imaginary side and on a much more physical side. There's still a lot of violence uh, and segregation towards uh, 
Mozambican, Angolan, and uh, Guinean, and Cape Verdean uh, population in in Portugal today, right? Mm. No, exactly. Uh, in in Portuguese manuals, they they go through all this uh, romantic idea of the uh, discoveries, but they never explain the violence that this was not just in the continent, but through all the countries that it travels to, and Portugal included, because we talk about the, uh, for example, the enslavement of, of, of black people in the Americans, in the America, in the Americas, but we never talk about that in Portugal. It's only a glorification of these discoveries. And then again, you have uh, later the glorification of the April, 25th, uh, April 25th, but you never explain the process in between. This, process, this long process of uh, liberation struggle from where the PIGC comes from, for example, in Portugal. Before uh, you, you have the PIGC, before has the other colleagues spoke about the House of the, uh, the Students of the Empire, and before that you have in the 1920s already movements not just in Portugal, but or intellectual thinking, not just in Portugal, but also in the African continent, who has who have these links. So there's a long tradition in of of struggle in 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 Portugal, and the way we select what we show without making the the this interdisciplinary study of how one affects the other or the internationalism of these uh, effects. Uh, I think it's uh, till today Portugal haven't done that. Was not able to do that. Uh, was able to do the the revolution, but was not able to do to continue this decolonization process. That the, the the decolonization itself, or the giving independence to other countries itself, uh, is import. Uh, how you say is important to do too. And of course, you're citing uh, quite a few times uh, what you learn at school in Portugal, but your work has, has been looking at what, uh, what the, rev the revolutionaries in Guinea-Bissau have, have been, uh, well, from Guinea-Bissau really, but uh, have been, um, have been uh, doing in terms of education uh, as, as a sort of opposite of, uh, of this education that in Portuguese education that still continues today. Could you, could you maybe tell us about it a bit? Based on, 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 on what, I, what I read and what I learned throughout these years and also from the result of my master thesis, which was focused on, on, on Cabral, and uh, coming, finding in the archives or in the, throughout the reading that the PIGC had developed some school manuals, uh, it, it was always very intriguing for me, understanding the struggle no, reading about the struggle, reading Cabral, but not seeing like uh, a specific aspect of it. How do you put these ideas in practice? How do you prepare this? Or how do you transmit this to the next generation? And that was when I started to think about the question, can a liberation struggle be understood as an educational praxis? And if yes, where can I see that? And it was throughout this, pro this, this question that I started to research uh, about uh, what PIGC was teaching uh, in, uh, or what was the goal of these school manuals 
uh, to whom were they uh, directed to how was the how were they put it in practice and that's how, how I come to the schools and by understanding these school manuals uh, Pierre Jusset had a very clear idea of what he wanted to show or to transmit to the to the to 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 students uh, could be from early age to adults because uh, Pierre Jusset uh, had uh, Uh, a, a great, uh, uh, how you say, had uh, you. It was not just for kids, but it was also for kids and adults. So the education was not just. So it was a lifelong process. Let's let's call it like that. So it was interesting to see the message that they were interested to pass to. They had shown not only what uh, happened before. Uh, For example, with the, Afri the the great empires, the history of uh, Guinea-Bissau, the history of Cape Verde, but also to understand what is this crucial moment that they were living now, and why why it came about. So understanding that, he means to explain that he means to explain what ensla uh, enslavement was, explaining what colonialism is, explaining what imperialism is. In explaining what can come after this process if we don't do the, this, this decolonization uh, uh, process of the self and of the country. So that's, that's how I think the PIGSA has done it. And it could be a great example for us to think what we are explaining in our school, in our school manuals. And probably I come to this idea Uh, of working with the PSGC schools based on my own experience of education in Portugal. Great. Well, thanks a lot, Sonia. And um, I can see two ways of uh, maybe going deeper into what you were describing today. The first one is just a, a small uh, a small bridge with uh, the episodes we had with uh, Ana Neobi de Sousa. Uh, about the house of the student of the empire that you that you briefly mentioned, and another is uh, an hour-long podcast that was recently re released uh, on uh, millennials are killing capitalism, uh, in which uh, you are interviewed uh, in a much more extensive way. People can listen to it. Uh, thank you again very much and uh, and be well in this very particular time. Thank you. Yes, we all need to stay safe. <laughs> That's all for today. Find us tomorrow again for a new episode as part of this daily podcast series. And if you're a subscriber to The Finalist, remember that you have access to every single article we published in the past in their online version on our website. Thank you very much and take care.